We're in a series entitled Discovering the Divine. And we're looking at everyday encounters that people had with Jesus and seeing how their lives were affected and how Jesus treated them. And I want you to remind you that Jesus is God. He, he was God. He is God. But when he was on this earth, he was fully God. So if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. And we're looking at people who had an encounter with Jesus. Last week, we looked at probably the richest person in Israel or one of the richest in all of Israel. This week, we're going to look at one of the poorest in Israel. Uh, last week, it was called, do you remember the title last week? The Rich Young Ruler. Okay, well, this week, I've entitled it The Poor Old Widow. And the reason I've entitled it that is because the Bible tells us she was poor, and the Bible tells us she was a widow. I don't know if she was old, okay? But in my mind, she's old. She has on a black dress, she has on black hose, black shoes, and a black veil over her face. She's a widow, okay? And she stoops over like that. So, Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Now, Jesus sat opposite the treasury... And saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which makes which make a quadrants. Uh, we'll talk about that later, how much that actually is. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who've given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty... Put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. All right, let's talk about what she learned from her encounter or what we can learn from this encounter with Jesus. Here's the first thing. God sees people that no one else sees. God sees people that no one else sees. This woman was poor. We know she was poor. There's no doubt she was poor. As a matter of fact, the Bible uses a word here for poor that is not used many times in the New Testament. It is not the normal, common word for poor. This word in the Greek could be translated beggar. If you remember the story about the rich man and Lazarus. You remember the rich man and Lazarus? The rich man and Lazarus, a poor beggar, was laid at his gate. All right, it actually doesn't say poor, it just says a beggar. That's the same word that's used here for poor. This, this means extreme poverty. This means destitute. This means that the, the, the language implies here that she was miserably poor. This is a woman that no one else saw. This was a woman that society didn't see. No one was helping this woman. No one was uh, in any way giving her aid. She was a very, very poor, the poorest of poor in the society. And yet Jesus saw her. Why? Because he sees people that no one else sees. I wonder how many times this woman came to church and no one saw her. I wonder how many times she went to church and no one even spoke to her. I was sitting on the platform one time during the, uh, uh, between the worship and the, and the message during the announcements. And I was kind of looking around. It was in a service that I'd already, it was, I'd already seen the announcements, you know. And plus I've been through the classes. So anyway, so I was looking around. And I was just looking for friends. I was looking for people I know. I was looking for people I, I know kind of which service people go to. So I'm thinking, well, I wonder if so-and-so is here this week or if they're out. Or I wonder if so-and-so. So I'm looking for people that I know. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I want you to see people today that no one else sees. I want you to start looking for people that no one else would look for. And I just started looking around. And I remember seeing a woman 
that was sitting all alone. Now listen to me. She had people all around her, but she was sitting all alone. Because you could see it. She was lonely. I remember I saw a man that looked like he had so much stress on him. He just was so under it. And I thought, I wish I could just go to him and tell him, you don't need to be under it. I wish I could tell that woman, you don't, you don't need to feel alone because God doesn't want you to feel alone. He's here with you. And then I saw a teenager that, in my opinion, looked like he was probably being bombarded with thoughts of discouragement and even suicide. And I thought, well, I wish I could tell him. And I felt like the Lord said, you're about to preach. <laughs> And so I got up and I preached to those three. <laughs> I told them everything I wanted to tell them in a roundabout way. And I watched their countenance change. You understand God is this way. Here's what the Lord spoke to me that day. He said, I see people every week like that. Every week. I wonder how many times this woman went to church and no one spoke to her. Please listen to me. I am so sorry if you ever come to Gateway Church and that happens to you. It's not our desire. It's not our heart. If you're here and you feel like no one even sees me or knows that I'm alive, listen to me. God does. God does. He Because he sees people that no one else sees. Here is a widow. Here's the poorest of the poor. And Jesus sees her. Let me show you some people that Jesus sees that no one else sees. Psalm 68 verse 5. A father of the fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy habitation. Exodus 22 will tell you what God thinks about how we treat orphans and widows. Exodus 22, verse 22, you shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child if you afflict them in any way. I want you to notice the language here, how God uses these all-inclusive terms. If you afflict them in any way... And they cry at all to me. I will surely hear their cry. And my wrath will become hot. And I will hurt you a little bit. (laughs) I will kill you with the sword. Your wives shall be widows. And your children fatherless. That's pretty strong, isn't it? Why? Because he sees people no one else sees. James 1.27 Pure and undefiled religion. Religion, by the way, the word religion here is is, is good. We've turned it into a bad word. It means service to God. Pure and undefiled service before God. And the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. God has always been for the underdog. You ever notice this? Just read the scripture. It would be a good thing for you during this sermon series to read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the three gospels that I'm preaching from. Three of of the four, you read John 2, but I'm preaching mainly from those three. Just read the gospels. I've been reading them and reading them and reading them through this series. And what I keep seeing is, is that God sees people that no one else sees and he stops for people that no one else would stop for. He's ministering to just regular people. If you're a regular person, I don't mean your your bathroom. I mean regular, you know, normal, okay? If you're a normal, of course, some of you think, well, I'm not that. If you're a person, let's just say that. If you're a person, God sees you and God will stop for you. God sees people that aren't even saved because of the way they act sometimes. Listen to me. 
God sees the poor. He sees widows. He sees orphans. He sees the elderly. He sees all these people that no one else sees. Did you know that there was a man in the New Testament named Cornelius who was not even a believer? Not even a Christian. But because, the Bible says explicitly, because he gave alms to the poor, God sent one of the preeminent apostles named Peter to him to share with him the gospel so he would get saved and his whole household. And and he wasn't even saved, but he was treating the poor. He was taking care of people that no one else was taking care of, and that got God's attention. And God sent an apostle to him to share the gospel so he'd get saved. If there's anyone that ought to see people that no one else sees, it ought to be the church. We should be the ones that are for the underdog because God's for the underdog. We should see the poor. We should see widows. We should see orphans. We should see the elderly. Now, you know, uh, and some of you don't know this, but for 10 years of my life when I was growing up, my mother's mother lived with us. I have a real heart for the elderly because I had an older person living with me growing up and you know, let me say something here. I was having lunch this past week with a pastor and his wife from Ukraine. They're in their 30s. And sometimes when you're having lunch with someone from a different culture, different language, something's lost in the language, something gets lost in the, in the conversation, you know, and, and I'm, we're talking about elderly people. But he said to me, he said, we have many elderly people in our church, people over 40. I said to him, those are not elderly people. <laughs> we are not elderly. <laughs> and then later his wife, she was trying to compliment me as well. They listened to my messages on the internet. And so she's trying to compliment me. But she said, Pastor Robert, we just want you to know that we are very fed up with your teachings. <laughs> I said, join the crowd. <laughs> We should see people that no one else sees. We, this, this, about a, over, a little over a year ago, I think last spring, a year and a half almost, we helped some families adopt some children from Russia, some orphans from Russia. And they sent me a card a while back. One of the families adopted four little girls, and they sent me a card saying thank you for, for the help that the church gave. Thank you for helping us find a family. Thank you for caring about me. One, the smallest one, wrote this. Thank you for paying money for me. Thank you for paying money for me. We should be doing that. That's what God's about. God is about seeing people that no one else sees. I want you to know that. If you're here today, you don't think anyone sees you, I'm telling you, God sees you. Here's the second thing. God sees actions that no one else sees. God sees actions that no one else sees. He he saw this woman give this offering. He was watching people give that day. And here's the amazing thing. It says he sat. He sat opposite the treasury. In other words, there were these offering boxes. There was the outer court and they were in the outer court. And people would come out from meeting in the temple and they would, when they go through the outer court, same as we have offering boxes at the door, after the service, they would give their offerings. And Jesus pulls up a chair and sits down and watches people give. Now, I want you to remember something. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. <laughs> you think he still watches people give? Well, if he did it then, he does it now. 
And he's sitting there watching people give. And he sees actions no one else sees. He sees the actions of this widow who gives a lot, who has a little. He sees the actions of these rich people who had a lot, but they gave a little. And I'm going to tell you in a minute, you think, no, the Bible says they gave much. I'm going to tell you, you, you kind of need to understand the language here to figure out how much, much was that they gave. So he's sitting there and he's watching these people give. Okay, let me explain to you about how much these rich people gave. There is a word here that's used for this money. It says they gave money. The word is caucus in the Greek. And it literally means brass pennies. Brass pennies. It's only in the New Testament five times. Let me show you another time it's in the New Testament. Matthew 10, 9 says, provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses. That word is caucus, brass pennies. In other words, when he sent the disciples out, he said, don't take gold coins, which would be worth a lot, or silver coins, which are still worth a lot, or even the brass pennies. It was a, a penny. It was a penny that uh, the smallest uh, coin that they recognized, the Romans recognized, was the denarius. A, a, um, a, uh, this caucus, this brass coin, which made up a quadrant, was one-tenth of a denarius. So it took 10 of these pennies that the Jews had to make up one penny that the Romans had. All right. That, and that's because obviously they were in servitude. So they were very, very poor. And he said, when you go out preaching, don't take any gold coins, silver coins, or even the brass pennies that you carry around. You don't even need those. I'm going to provide for you. All right. But that's the other time. One of the other times, five times this word. Let me show you where the word is. Just keep your Bible at Mark 12. Look at verse 41. Now, Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money, brass pennies into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came. And threw in two mites, which make up a quadrants. All right, now let me explain to you what a quadrants is. If you had to guess uh, the, the number that quadrants would represent, what, what number would you guess? Quad. Four. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, right? Okay. A quadrants is one-fourth of a penny. One-fourth of a brass penny, not a denarius. A, a brass penny is... One-tenth of a denarius, okay? So, one-fourth, she gave two mites, which makes up a quadrants, which is one-fourth of a penny, okay? She gave one-fourth of a penny. Now, here's the other word that is used in some versions. Old King James uses this word, a farthing. They don't use the word quadrants, they use the word farthing. A farthing comes from the word which, which means forthing, a forthing. This brass penny that the Jews had had a cross on it and is made out of brass so you could break it. And they would break it into four pieces, and a fourth piece was called a farthing, a fourthing, or a quadrant. All right? So she gave a fourth of a penny. That's what she gave. By the way, remember a denarius was a day's wage. A denarius was ten pennies. And the average worker that worked, a laborer that worked hard in the field, the average labor worker got a denarius a day, ten pennies a day. That was the average wage. This widow, her daily wage was one-fourth of a penny, and a daily wage was ten pennies. Her average wage was one-fortieth, one-fortieth of every other person's daily wage. That's how poor she was, okay? Now, let's talk about the rich for a minute. It says the rich were putting in much, okay? Many rich people were putting in much. Many rich people were putting in 
much. Okay, here's the thing I want you to understand. First of all, the word much there is the same word that's translated before many. Many. So many rich people were putting in many. But what were they putting in many of? Caucus, which means brass pennies. Are you catching it? That's the word that's used here. He said he was watching how they were putting in money, how they were putting caucus, brass pennies into the plate, into the offering container. So here's something I want you to understand. This is what got Jesus so upset that day. He got upset because this widow put in all she had and the rich people were walking by putting in pennies. Now listen to me. You say, yeah, but they were putting in many. Yeah, many pennies. Many pennies. That's what they were putting in. That's what got him so upset. They're going along just putting in pennies in the plate. And they've got gold and they've got silver. Instead, they're putting in brass. Pennies. And the widow comes along and she puts in her livelihood. That's what he said. Her whole livelihood. That What that meant was one day's wage. In other words, she would not eat that day if someone didn't invite her home for dinner. I, uh, I used to preach in small churches. You know, uh, what's amazing is that um, you know that I used to preach in re- crusades and things, but I used to preach in little churches, li- little churches, country churches. We didn't stay in hotels. My wife and I, we first started traveling. We stayed in someone's home. We stayed in farmhouses. We stayed one time in a barn that they put bunk beds in a barn. I'm telling the truth. We didn't go out to eat. We'd go to these country churches. You always went over to someone's house for dinner. Always. I remember one time we go over this lady's house for dinner. There are no screens in the windows. There are chickens in the windows. Two great big dogs. When we walk in the house, two big dogs just walking all around the house. These big hairy dogs walk, not outside. They should have been outside. They're in the house walking around, you know, chickens in the window. I reached for a piece of raisin bread. All the raisins flew off. I know I shouldn't have done this, but I said, ma'am, are these plates clean? <laughs> she said, clean as soap and water can get them. So we ate. After we ate, she said, you finished? I said, yeah. She took my plate, put it on the floor, said, here's soap, here water. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Just a joke. <laughs> just a joke. If this woman didn't get invited over for lunch, she wasn't going to eat anything that day. Jesus is sitting there watching this woman give everything she's got and the rich people putting pennies in the offering. Would that not get you upset? Do you you, you understand where this offering went? It went for the upkeep of the temple. But I want you to understand what the Bible tells us about the temple. The temple is not a building, it's people. And those people are the bride of Christ. Jesus is watching rich people giving pennies to his bride. He gets upset. Let me show you a a scripture. See, Jesus is not looking at how much you give. I think he's looking at how much you have to give. This is why the Bible talks about percentage giving. So everyone can give. 1 Corinthians 16, 2, and I'm reading it in the Living Bible because I like it. I just think it's easier to understand. On every Lord's day... Now, we, 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 we probably missed that. How many Lord's Days should we do this? Every. On every Lord's Day, each of you 
Are you in each? Each of you should put aside something from what you have earned during the week and use it for the offering. The amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you earn. Is that good? (laughs) The amount that you give depends on how much the Lord has helped you to earn that week. I'm, I'm telling you, the more money you make, sometimes the harder it is to give. I remember when I didn't make very much at all. I gave, you know, God spoke to me, you mostly know, 20, uh, 20%. Years ago, I started giving 20%. I can remember when I began to prosper and do better, writing out that 20% check and thinking, this is a lot of money. And all of a sudden, it starts tugging at your heart. And Jesus is sitting there watching, watching how people gave. God sees people that no one else sees, and God sees actions that no one else sees. Can I tell you something? God sees how much you give. I don't know if that's good or bad for you, but he sees. He sees when you do the right thing at the office. He sees when you do the right thing in your marriage. He sees when you volunteer around the church. He sees, and he rewards. That's the great thing. Hebrews tells us that God not only sees, he is a rewarder. He is a rewarder. Do you understand that Jesus stopped everything, called his disciples over and said, did you see, do you see what this woman gave? And you, you got to understand this is the last week of Jesus's life. He's very famous by now. Everybody knows he raises the dead. He heals lepers. He heals blind people. Everybody knows that when he goes to church, people don't say, who is that? They know who it is. And all of a sudden Jesus says, hold it, hold it. I just want everyone here to know something. This woman right here gave more than all the rest of you. Why? Why? Do you, why? Because he sees actions that no one else sees. Here's the third thing. He sees attitudes that no one else sees. He sees attitudes that no one else sees. Mark 12, verse 41. Now, Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how. This is a very important word. Saw how the people put money into the treasury. He was watching how they were giving. You remember we asked a moment ago, do you think Jesus still sits by the offering box and watches people give? I think he does. I think he also still watches how. I think he watches the attitude when we write that tithe check. What what is your attitude when you give? Or what is your attitude when you don't give? I wonder if, if Jesus is watching us when we're having the conversation in our mind and we're trying to debate with ourselves that we don't need to tithe this month because we had some more expenses come up that we weren't really uh, expecting to come up. I wonder if he sees our attitude when we're going through that about we don't really need to give to God's house this month. Sure he does. He's watching how these people give. And think about think about these guys, these rich people. How do you think some of their attitudes were? Maybe some of them were angry about giving. You know, maybe they're walking out and they're saying, come on, honey, come on, let's go, let's go. And, honey, and his wife says, wait, 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 look, you forgot the offering. Well, I know, but we're just kind of, we got to get to dinner. And they're expecting us, you know, and no, give something in the offering. Well, okay, I'll give something in the offering. He pulls out a few pennies. There, you think money grows on trees, don't you? You think Jesus saw that? Or what about the person that gives it begrudgingly? You know, okay, they're walking out. Honey, put something in the plate. Yeah, well, we'll do it next week. No, put something in the plate. <sighs> okay, and then the kids come. Daddy, can we put something in the plate? Yeah, yeah, here. No, not the silver ones. Not the silver ones. <laughs> Daddy's told you that before. The brass ones. 
Or what about the ones that do it for show, you know? Okay, put it in the plate. I'm going to, just wait a minute, just wait. I'm waiting for the rabbi. I'm getting, wait, I want, I want the rabbi. Rabbi, rabbi. Good to see you. I just want the rabbi to see me when I put the offering in. You think Jesus sees that? How do you think this woman put her offering in that day? She probably went to an offering box. It wasn't, see, there were many of these boxes around in the outer court. She probably went to one that wasn't being used. Went to one all by herself. Pulled out all she had. Probably looked up to God. Even though she was a widow. A poor widow. She probably looked up to God with such gratitude. So grateful. To be able to give to God. And that's when Jesus said, hold it. I'm going to have to talk about this for a minute. Why? Because he sees attitudes that no one else sees. Let me show you what happened right before this. All right? This, this is in Mark and Luke. It's not in Matthew. Both of them record this right, happening right before. He's talking and he's teaching his disciples. Look what he says in verse 38. Then he said to them in his teaching, Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes. Watch how they want to draw attention to themselves through this whole thing. Love greetings in the marketplaces. The best seats in the synagogues and the best places at feasts who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. Everything he said there had to do with drawing attention to themselves except devouring widows' houses. All of a sudden he hits it. There are two things. If you want to look through and read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there are two things that got Jesus very, very upset everywhere went. Pride and greed. And he kept seeing these over and over in the Pharisees. They want people to see them. They want to be noticed. Everything they do is for a show. But not only that, they're extremely selfish and greedy people. What these scribes were doing was they were going to these widows who were very, very poor. And they were convincing them to sign over their inheritance, even their houses, to the church. And come work at the church for one-fourth of a penny a day. And they convinced them this is how that they would show their 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 uh, service to God. And Jesus said, the people you should be helping, you're actually stealing from. As a church, you ought to be helping them. Instead, you're trying to get them, you're stealing, and you go in under the name of God and take these, you devour these widows' houses, you take these houses from them. The last thing they have on this earth. He got very upset. Because he sees attitudes. Now, here's the last thing I want to tell you about this story that maybe you don't know. This happened the last week of Jesus' life. On Friday, he went to the cross. This happened on Tuesday. Tuesday. We know it was Tuesday because of several things. We think, well, it, might have been, it must have been the Sabbath. It wasn't the Sabbath because they were having meetings. It was a feast. And they were having meetings there the whole week because it was the Feast of Tabernacles. And we know from timing of what, how many days after the Sabbath this was and before he went to the cross, this was on a Tuesday. Okay. On Friday, he's going to the cross. You know why he's going to the cross? To redeem people's hearts. You know why he got so upset that day? Because he saw hearts. See, your heart... 
controls your attitude. Your attitude controls your action. Yes, he saw the actions of the widow and the actions of, the, of these rich people, but he saw also the attitude of the widow and he saw the attitude of these rich people. He also saw the hearts. And he was going to read. How do you think Jesus feels when our heart's not into it? That's what he wants. He wants our hearts. Think about this. When you say to your child, go clean your room, and your child does this. Is that what you want? No, I, I know sometimes we'll take it because <laughs> we just want the room cleaned, but that's not what we want, right? We want the heart of the child. That's what Jesus wanted. That's why he is going to the cross on Friday. And can I tell you something? If you're here tonight and you're having a problem with your actions and your attitude, there's one who can change your heart. This is the good news. You understand that, that the law talked about actions all the time. Jesus shows up and talks about the heart. If you're here tonight and you're having a problem with your actions and you're, still, and you're even having a problem with your attitude, there's someone who can change your heart. He wants to. And why? Why, why come to Jesus? You want to know why? Because he sees people that no one else sees. He sees you. If you're here tonight and you feel like God does not even know or care about the problems that I have, I want you to know something. He does. He knows and he cares. And if you'll come to him, he can change your heart. And that'll take care of your attitude and that'll take care of your actions. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, well, I've come to Jesus. I'm a believer. I've given my life to him. I'm still having a problem, though, with my attitude. And I'm still having a problem with my actions. You got to keep coming. You keep coming to Jesus. Every morning, during the day when you need him, you come to Jesus. But maybe you're here today and maybe you're even a, a teenager and you're, you're, you might even be in a Christian home. And you say, well, I, I believe in Jesus, but I've never really given him my life. You need to give him control of your life. Maybe you're here tonight and you're away from God. Maybe you gave him your life at one time, but you've kind of taken it back. You need to give him back your life. At the end of this service, we're going to have leaders, men and women who love the Lord and love people here at the altar, at the front part of the church. And we want to help you. If you're here tonight... And you need to come to God. You need to get right with God in some way. It's very easy when we dismiss the service. You just simply make your way to one of the leaders here at the front. And let us pray with you. We want to help you come to God. Please don't leave. If you're not right with God tonight. Let us help you. Lord, I pray that you would cause this message to bear fruit in our lives. And Lord, help us. To see people that no one else sees. In Jesus' name, amen.